So the Daniel fast. What exactly is a Daniel fast? And I want to, I love technology. I work in the high tech industry, but I don't trust it. Just saying. Okay. All right. It worked. So the Daniel fast. Um, I talked about the schedule for the prayer and fasting. We're going to do the Mondays and the evenings, or the Mondays, the mornings and the evenings, 6 a.m., 6.30 throughout the week, and you have those times on there. So what we want to do is talk about an option that you can have for fasting, because I'm sure not everybody here has gone through a fast and, and has experienced that. Um, it is a, a great Great thing to do, a great opportunity, and we should probably do them a lot more often. So the Daniel fast, we'll go through this, and and I'll I'll kind of preface this saying that the idea of the fasting, so we keep this in mind. Remember Pastor John last week talked about having the sound mixer board, right? And he showed the picture where all the dials, and you have all these channels, and then you have kind of God's master volume over here. The idea of the fasting is to bring all those other channels down so they're quiet. And then we can raise up God's voice and that we can be open to that and we can hear and be in communication. So we'll be talking a bit about that today. Um, I want to start out in Daniel and we'll, we'll give you the foundation, the basis of what this Daniel fast is. So if you go to... Daniel chapter 1, uh, verses 8 through 16. Daniel 1, 8 through 16. And this will lay kind of the foundation of what we're talking about here. Because we don't, we're, we don't want to throw out and say, okay, you guys will fast from this. We want you guys to, to pray about that. Come before the Lord and see what is in your life that's taking up a lot of your time and a lot of your effort. And eliminate that and take that time to focus on God. That's the whole point. So Daniel chapter 1 verses 8 through 16. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the ones we commonly know as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This was our Jewish names. So please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them. 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. 
So give a little little context here on why he didn't want to eat the, the king's portions, right? So there were several reasons. First of all, the Jewish people had their laws and they had their rules for what they could eat, right? The clean meats only, not the unclean animals. Well, you can guess that the, the king's not Jewish. He didn't really care. I mean, if it was meat, they ate it. So they just threw it all in together. So they could, um, Daniel and, and his crew could have actually been eating unclean meat, which would have been in violation of God's direction to them. So they didn't want to do that. Also, the first portion of the king's food would go to idols. So they would take a portion and give it to the idols. So for Daniel and his crew to be eating that food would have meant that they were eating food meant for an idol. And you can guess how God would view that. That's a a big no for the, the Jewish as well. And then the wine, you're thinking, what, how bad could wine be? Well, the idols again, they would build altars to the idols and they would pour a portion of that wine on that altar. And so that was, again, kind of a sacrifice to the idols. So <clears throat> by not partaking in the king's food, then Daniel and his crew were, were staying true to God and to God's word and what their direction, their laws were. And so he asked for 10 days of vegetables and water. I also want to point out here that, that Daniel, the way he approached this, I think says a lot with his character as well. He didn't go in and just defy the order and say, no, we're not going to do it. He worked with the eunuch so that the chief of the eunuchs would not also get in trouble, right? That he would be protected. Daniel worked out a thing with him to show that, hey, it's going to be okay. Well, God honored Daniel's faithfulness and they, he and his crew were actually looking healthier than those people eating the choice meat. So that got the chief eunuch off the hook and allowed Daniel and his crew to stay faithful to God. So that was, that was very important there. So from that, let's move over to Daniel chapter 10. Verses 1 through 3. Daniel 10, 1 through 3. says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. So that was the name that they, they gave him. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So again, so now Daniel's in mourning. This isn't another deal that he's made. This He's in mourning. So when he went into mourning, he chose to go back to this, this fasting. Um, now the there's a lot... It's not clear exactly what he's mourning at this point, but most theologians will believe, or they they teach and believe that, so at this point, the command was given to go back and rebuild, you know, Jerusalem, right? And and do the, the work there. But there weren't many people working on it, and the work was real slow. And so Daniel himself didn't go back, because he's late in life. He's like up in his 80s now. So he's staying there, 
And uh, he felt, and, and again, this is kind of a theological guess, is like he could do more good in his high position in government there than he could out trying to do work at his age. So that's kind of the, the belief of what was what was happening there. Now, I also want to point out, this is not a pure fast. Remember last week when Pastor Don talked about the word fast? And it means no food, right? So obviously Daniel's eating food, he's eating the vegetables. So it's not a true pure fast, but it is a type of fasting because he's he's not eating some of uh, the other food that he could have. So these are examples that we use from Daniel to show what it means for the fasting and, and you know the different reasons he was fasting. And we'll get into reasons why we want to do it. Um, but I also want to throw a few little caveats, things to think about out there. Okay, First of all, if you have health issues and, and you have concerns with that, please don't jump into a food fast without at least, at a minimum, talking to your doctor. Very, very important. If you're on medications or health concerns, you need to make sure that's taken care of. So we wanted, we wanted you to be smart about it, um, but we also would like you to participate. Another thing I'll say is when you're, when you go to God in prayer and, and try to determine what your fast is going to be for the week, um, you really need to set yourself up to be challenged, but successful. Okay, don't take such a hard stand on a fast that you can't possibly succeed through the week because that kind of misses the point. So, you know, be challenged, but but be smart about it so you can be successful. The idea is no no food or, or something that we crave while we're saying yes to God. So as you go through these, through the fast time, it's it's really... The idea is to deprive yourself of something that you spend a lot of time and effort in, especially something that gets in your way of the relationship with God. If you're in really into social media and you're into that all the time and you're not getting your, your morning prayer time or evening prayer time or whatever and you're, you're not reading your word constantly, I, I would say get rid of some of that stuff. You know, that's a great place to start. Now, some of you have, probably never done a fast. Um, so that's another reason I'm going to give some options and talk about that through the Daniel fast. Um, but again, set yourself up to be successful, but challenged. One idea of doing a, a weekly fast. So if, if you're, um, say you're not on social media, right? And, and it's your habit through the week to be on social media. Well, in the middle of the day, you think, oh, I got to check social media. Instead of checking social media, stop and pray. Just spend that time with God, right? And it, again, doesn't have to be social media. It could be, you know, food. If you're craving a food that you're fasting from, and I guarantee you, if you're fasting from something, you're going to crave it. That's just a given. <laughs> That's the way that, that we work. But when those cravings come, instead of giving into it and breaking the fast, spend time with God. That's the idea behind the the uh, the fasting. So I'll go through some of this. The Daniel fast. So we talked about two examples where Daniel did his fasting. Um, the first one was the the ten days. The next one was three weeks. We're doing one week. 
Um, you're free to do whatever you want. And and I would also say, don't just say that, oh, I, I can only pray and fast this week. Set yourself up for other times as well. And it may be one day, maybe two days, maybe two weeks. But make this a regular part of your faith journey is to do the prayer and fasting. Come before God, give up some things, um, challenge yourself and, and come before God with that. So remember, the only things that Daniel really listed in the scripture there were water and vegetables. So that's that's one that, that you can do. Now, there's kind of an example and you should have in your bulletin, you should have a... Um, should have this here, and it has the, the schedule on it, but it kind of talks about the Daniel fast. So I'm going to go over that, that back part here. So this was set up, I don't know if any of you are skiers, downhill skiers, but the way they set up the ski slope so they you know that you're not a beginner and you're heading down an almost vertical chute, they actually label these, right? So you've got the, the green is a beginner, and that's definitely would be my level right there. So that's the real slow slope. Then you get to the intermediate, maybe a little steeper, a little more challenging than the the black. So that's an experience. The black diamond is an experienced person. The double black, I, I think there's a little bit of craziness in there because some of those double black diamond runs are insane. So only very experienced people will go down those. So we're going to start out with a double black diamond on the Daniel Fast. So this one here is really the model that Daniel gave us in Scripture. Okay, so it's the water and the vegetables. And the idea with the water is kind of the distilled, filtered, sparkling, not ones with flavor, not ones with a bunch of stuff added into them, because that's just not water. But then, if you don't want to quite go all in like that, you can go to the single diamond. The single black diamond. Now that one, you can eat the water and the vegetables, but you can add in fruits as well and supplement your diet a little bit more with, with the fruits. Um, and also 100% fruit juice. Now I'm going to put a warning out here. A lot of your 100% um, fruit juices are very, very high in sugars. So again, if you have medical concerns and stuff, be cognizant of that and be, be very careful. Um, but that's that's an option. So if you don't want to quite go that difficult, you can go to the intermediate level, the, the blue intermediate. So you can eat the vegetables, the water, the fruits, the fruit juice, but you can also add in whole grains and beans and nuts, oils, uh, herbs and spices, seasonings, soy products, unleavened bread. So basically a clean diet. That's the idea. You don't want a bunch of processed foods. You don't want the yeast breads and stuff like that. So that's the that's kind of the intermediate Daniel fast. And then if that if that just doesn't and maybe if this is your first time doing a fast and you don't want to dive in with you know head first, we have the the green the beginner. So this one is just take something in your life that you really enjoy a lot and spend a lot of time with. And like I said earlier, maybe it's something that takes away from your time with with God. Uh, then I would I would highly recommend you know something like that. But approach this prayerfully. Okay, I I believe that if you come with a submissive heart in front of God, He's going to make it very clear what you should be fasting from. 
but here's just a list of some of the things. Your smartphone, cell phone, screen time, video games, uh, alcohol, snacks, sweets, uh, eating out, fast food, um, <laughs> swearing, smoking, gambling, pornography. Now, I'm going to hope that's a permanent fast. Um, but maybe that is, you know, in all seriousness, seriousness, those can be difficult things that people deal with. And so maybe this will be the time that you can maybe make that one week commitment and then, you know, work from there forward and, and maybe get past those. I'm not sure why they put books and reading on there, but I agree. Read the Bible. This should be a week that we spend seeking God, seeking his face, seeking his communion. And part of that we do in, in the word. So definitely. Um, and, and again, that's a habit that we should have daily anyway, being in God's word daily. But maybe this is a time to get started. Maybe this is what's going to going to kind of kick you into that gear to get you going. So the idea is saying no to food and things we crave and saying yes to God. So that's kind of a good overview of the, the Daniel fast. If, if you have any questions about that, any concerns or just need some help or guidance or some maybe some support, just reach out to us and we'll, we'll work with you on that. We'll help to explain it and, and help you get on there. Cause we, we want you to be successful. That is, that's the key is be successful, but be involved and be challenged. Okay. So the week of prayer and fasting, we talked about fasting. We gave you some options there. Well, the other part of that is prayer. And that's really kind of the main focus of what we want for the week is the prayer. The fasting is a tool to bring us in and focus towards God and be in his presence. But prayer is really what it's about. So why would we want to dedicate a whole week to prayer? I mean, 6 a.m., I'll be here. I am a morning person, but a lot of people can't do that. So we give you a 6.30 p.m. option. Um, But why so early and why all week long? So let us look at what prayer is and why it's so important. And I got this quote. This is from Billy Graham. And I, I love this because it really tells you what prayer is in, in a real straightforward, easy to understand manner. He says, prayer is spiritual communication between man and God, a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also listen to him. Prayer to God is like a child's conversation with his father. It is natural for a child to ask his father for the things he needs. Amen. That is prayer. We are speaking to our Father, our Heavenly Father, and we're expressing our needs, our desires to Him. Um, you're, you're not going to get everything you want. <laughs> it's, you know, He's not a, a glorified Santa Claus that just hands out things that you ask for. He's going to give you what you need. And sometimes we don't always understand that. But we need to be aware of that, right? He will give us what we need. He desires to give us what we want, but we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later and how we get to that point. So I like to go very foundational, and I'm not really sure why this kind of went back this foundational, (laughs) but we're going to get into it. Okay, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, and we're going to understand kind of the importance of prayer 
and kind of the history and why we we need this. Genesis 3, chapter 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Something I love so much about this verse is just that first part. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They had to know what that sounded like to be able to recognize that. That tells me that God regularly was in the garden walking with them. That God is His presence was regularly there. So it makes me think about when people who handle money a lot, bankers and stuff, and they're concerned about counterfeit bills. Now, I know nowadays the technology is so good that a lot of the counterfeit bills are very difficult to, to detect right up front, so they've had to put a lot of little ribbons and different things in them to detect. Um, but the, the traditional training, you would think that, well, they would teach them, they would show them counterfeit bills, and they would teach them how they look and, and all that. But that's not how they did it. They gave them real bills, real money. And those people would handle that so much that when something wasn't right, they could feel it. They could immediately detect it. And they knew something was wrong with that bill. That's kind of the same idea here. God regularly walked with them. They recognized him. They recognized his presence. And it was there. Well, herein lies the problem. This is right after the, they sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. Okay, this was after the, the fall of mankind. So God is a relational God. He created us to be in relation with Him. And that was severed. When that fall happened, when Adam and Eve sinned, that relationship was damaged and severed. Well, we also know that relationship requires communication. And especially those of us who are, are married understand that, you know, a lot of times when difficulties happen, it's a miscommunication or lack of communication. Communication in a relationship is extremely important. But now we've had that relationship damaged, that, that communication damaged. So they were no longer seeking God. They didn't recognize Him walking in the garden and go have a chat with Him. They hid from Him because of the severed relationship. So man was no longer holy and pure to God's standard because sin had now been introduced. And we know in John 9.31, it says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. It means that as a sinner, as a sinful individual, we're dirty and we are not worthy to be in the presence of God apart from the death and resurrection of his son. With that, we get into Genesis three fourteen and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you are more cursed than the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly, you shall go. And you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So this was when God was handing out the punishment for the sin. He already had a plan in place. He already knew this was going to take place and had a solution for it. 
Again, God is a relational God. He wants to be in relation with us. And as sinful beings, we can't have that. So this was the, the description. This was the kind of the prophetic word of Christ is going to die on a cross to pay for our sins. And that will allow us to be back in union with him. So what does this have to do with a week of prayer and fasting? Well, on a, on a very basic level, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're not going to have the prayer. And your prayer and fasting is really not going to be effective. You have to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to be reunited to God the Father through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son in order to have your, your prayers heard and answered. God wants us to be in relationship with Him so much that He sent His Son to die for us. I don't know if, how many of you watched that movie, Passion of the Christ. So when I first saw it, I, we actually went to a, a movie theater and watched it in the theater, and it, it ripped me apart. Because you you look at the Scripture, you look at the Bible, and you hear about what, what Jesus went through. Then you see a graphical description, which I think they did a very good job, but they can't capture what he really went through. As, as good of a job as they did in that movie, showing the, the flogging and the, the persecution and all that, that Jesus went through, it, I don't think it even comes close. And he did that for us. Individually, he did it for us. And that's what allows us to be back in that relationship with God the Father. The only thing we have to do is accept that death, burial, and resurrection. Nothing more, nothing less. So now that he had his son pay that price for us, again, he's a, he is a relational God. He wants to be in communication with us. So now prayer is that communication link that God has, has provided for us so that we can speak with him. Uh, the thing I always remember, something I heard years and years ago, is we have two ears, one mouth. Make sure that you speak half as much as you listen. Because going back to what Billy Graham had said, it's a two-way communication, right? It's two-way. We need to be able to, to speak and, and to listen as well. But that is our, our communication link there. God desires us to express what we want to Him and what we need, and sometimes what we think we need. Um, but He is a, a gracious God that's going to provide for all of our needs. Um, but he wants us to come to him, even though he knows, he knows well before we ever ask. He wants us to come to him because that is a sign of obedience and submission to him and, and an acknowledgement that he's actually going to meet our needs and give us what we need. But he also expects us to step back and listen, spend time in just silent meditation and allow him to, to speak to us through us. I'm not, I'm not saying there's going to be some big speaker behind you and he's going to come out and say, thou shalt. You know, that's not the way it works. But we have the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going to prompt us and lead us and guide us in the directions we need to go. So we need to be very conscious of that Holy Spirit and those nudgings and, and getting direction there. 
I, I would also say another way that he speaks to us is through his word. That's another reason why we just really need to be in his word. When we read his word and we meditate on his word, you'll be amazed the direction and, and understanding that he will provide. So we need to be in his word as well. So what really is the purpose of prayer? So we're going to go to 1 John, the other end of the Bible almost. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 to 13, we'll start with. 1 John 5, 11 to 13. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I'm going to stop there for a minute because there's a few things I want to say. I used to a lot of times ask people, believers in church, so are you going to heaven? And a lot of the responses just floored me. It was, well, I, I think so. I, I believe so. John says right here, you know so. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you've accepted him as your savior, it's a no-so. It's not a maybe, I hope so, I think I've been good enough. It has nothing to do with that. That's the context of what John is saying here. If you accept Christ as your savior, if you believe in him, you have eternal life, period. That's it. Something else that, that I like to also say when we talk about eternal life, the minute you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life. Period. It doesn't start when you die. It doesn't start then. It starts now. The minute you accept Him, you have eternal life. And I think sometimes we don't fully understand or claim that. And we need to live our lives as believers in Jesus Christ who have eternal life with Him. He's our Savior, and we will be with Him eternally. And when you really come to that understanding, a lot of what we do, the way we conduct ourselves, has goes right back to our belief in our relationship with Jesus and what kind of God we serve. If you truly believe that He's conquered death and you have eternal life with Him, then we need to live our lives that way. And, and I don't say that piously. Yeah, I've got it dialed in. I'm doing it because I get it. It's a struggle. We're here on earth. We've got a lot of stuff going on around us and it's easy to lose sight of that. But when we get back into his word and we read things like this, we know. We don't think. We don't hope. We know that we have eternal life with him. So let's continue on. First John chapter five, verses 14 to 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. So prayer is the primary way that we express ourselves and communicate with God. And we can have confidence that when we ask according to His will, not our will, Again, he's not a, a you know, glorified Santa Claus. But when we're in his word and we're in communication with him and when we're growing and developing our relationship with him, it becomes very clear what his will for our lives are. I know a lot of times 
people are, are seeking that. And I will say, get in the Word, get in prayer. Because God will make it very clear to you what His will is for you. And, and there's some absolute basic functions that I believe is God's will for every believer. Sharing the gospel. Sharing Christ. You know, I, I hear people say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I, doesn't matter. You're a Christian. You're a believer. Share God's word. Share the gospel message. Period. How that looks? Very different. Can be very different. I have a dear friend of mine that I always joke he could evangelize a, a doorknob because the guy is just so gifted in evangelism and sharing the gospel. Me, I'm more of a relational person. I'll come alongside of somebody and develop a relationship and pour into them and share the gospel. doesn't matter how you do it, get it out there. We're all called to do that. That's one of the, the basic things of His will. But as you're in relationship with Him and you're seeking Him and His Word and you're praying, maybe God's going to lay something on your heart, a direction you want to go when in ministry or service or something. By all means, follow it. Follow it, follow it, follow it. Do not ignore it because God will bless you incredibly when you're faithful to Him and you follow the callings that He gives you. But it has to be in His will and not yours. So we learn this by reading and praying in His Word. And then as we draw closer and learn Him, we understand His desires and wills. It's... Again, it's like the, the husband-wife relationship. One thing I know when, when Mary and I first got together, it very intentional. I wanted to learn her. Learn the way she responds. Learn her actions and stuff. Because as you learn a person, you draw closer to them. And you understand more. And your communication gets better. Same thing with God. The more you communicate with God, the more you pray, the more you get in His Word, the more you understand Him, and the easier that relationship becomes. And it becomes so natural that that's just who you are. So I would highly, highly encourage that. So, a few little last things here. What's the purpose of prayer in our daily lives? Why is it so foundational for us to be in prayer individually? I call it communion through communication. That we're communicating with God. We're in communion with Him. And we think of communion, oh, we do that the first Sunday of, of every month. No, it's the, the actual, the, the dictionary definition is the act or an instance of sharing as of thoughts and feelings. That's the idea of, of communion. That you're together with God. You're sharing thoughts. He's sharing with you. You're sharing with Him. And you're developing that relationship. And we need to do that on an individual basis, to draw nearer to Him, because that's the avenue where He works in our lives. So we need to be doing that and building that relationship. So then, why a week of prayer and fasting for the church? You know, if we're doing it individually, why for the church? Well, first of all, I would say communion through communication. Why would it be different for the church than it would be for the individual? God wants... Calvary Chapel Newburgh to be in communion with Him. He wants us to be open in a relationship with Him. So we need to do that through the week of prayer and fasting. But we also need to do it every time we come together in prayer and communication with God, communion with God. When we get together and we dive into His Word, um, it, 
it's interesting. I, I love the Thursday nights with the men because we get in and yes, we get in the word, but we, we get into each other's lives as well. And we get to know each other and then we can lift each other up in prayer. You know, as we identify the needs and stuff that are, that are out there, we can take those to God and we can pray for our, our brothers or our sisters in Christ and, and we can lift that up too. So it's important for the church. It allows us to draw nearer to Him and it, and it really gives an avenue for Him to work within the church. If the church isn't reaching up to Him and isn't actively pursuing God, why would He be spending time doing work, trying to do work here when the church is basically dead? So we need to be building that relationship. I will have to say that God is doing a great work here at Calvary Chapel in Newburgh. And, and I really, I give Pastor John a lot of credit for, for laying the foundation for allowing that to happen. Um, the more I, more time I spend with him and work with him and see his shepherd's heart and his heart for God is just amazing. And one thing that he and I've talked about is with this movement that God's doing here and seeing a lot of tremendous ministry growth, spiritual growth. And, and yes, we've had more, more people coming in, had to start a second service, but we asked God, how, how do we, how are we instruments for him and not get in his way? Because we recognize it is all him. It's nothing we do. It's none of that. And, and again, that's another one I appreciate with Pastor John. You will never see a, a growth, you know, uh, program or anything like that. He's not going to be out grabbing people off the street, bringing them into the church so that we have more people. That's not the way it works. You grow spiritually and you grow together in unity as a church and let God work to take care of the rest of that. So we need to be available. We need to... We need to allow God to use us as his instruments. And I think that this week of prayer and fasting is a phenomenal tool to do that. Because not only will we be coming together and and in communication with God as a church, but it allows us to come together as a church. And that is extremely important, especially as we continue to grow. We need to be unified and be that body that, that God continues to use. So we need to be open to his, his guidance and kind of get out of his way and allow him to work. Um, it, it reminds me, so I've had the opportunity to go to, to Africa on, on a couple of different mission trips. You have no idea how many times, um, my, my buddy Mark that I have gone with, he and I will have these lessons ready. I mean, we got it dialed in. We're going to give them this great talk. We're going up to a village somewhere. And on the way up there, it's like God just says, nope, not going to happen. That is not what I want you to talk about. And literally going up the side of a mountain in a four-wheel drive, we're sitting back there redoing all notes and everything. And it's a completely different message. And to see what happens, the works that take place, it just blows your mind. Because here we thought we did a good job. We wrote this lesson. We spent hours on it. And God gave us one on our heart in about five minutes. And it was more powerful than anything we could ever do. But it's only when we're open and submissive to God's leading that that can happen. If we're 
If we're trying to come up with these great programs, we're trying to come up with all this great answer to all this stuff, it's going to fail. So let's come together in a week of prayer and fasting. Let's seek God's face and his direction and guidance and be unified as a church as we do that. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for just being the, the great God that you are, the God of grace and mercy that you want to be in relationship with us, but, but Lord, we, we sure fouled it up. But you had your perfect plan so that all we have to do is accept the, the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son, the price paid for our sin. And now that we can be in communication with you, we can be communing, through communication, that we can seek your guidance, your direction, what you would have for us. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity. Just thank you for the work that you're doing here. And and make it clear to us, just close the doors that need to be closed and open the ones that you want open, not that we want to open. We just love you and praise you and pray this in your son's name. Amen.